You are listening to Sport Tracks on SAFM. Craig Gray, how's it going? I'm good, how are you? Rugby commentator, writer. What are you doing these days, by the way? So I'm sports editor at Daily Maverick. That's uh, right. And, uh, yeah, that's a very full-time job. As we launched the newspaper as well. Yes. In the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Daily Maverick swimming upstream as always. But, uh, yeah, so it's good fun and games. Does that mean your, your deadlines are only daily and not hourly, like online? Well, no, I do the online stuff too, but, you know, <laughs> Daily Maverick, we're not about the... Yeah, you know, writing 300 word pieces and chasing every story. It's more about depth than analysis. Yeah. But either way, it's still, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a busy job, but it's a very fulfilling and fantastic place. Okay, let's go to fantastic and fulfilling places. Let's go to Japan this time last year. Uh, well, in fact, I want to go back a little bit because um, I, I forgot about this. Italy drew with New Zealand at a Rugby World Cup finals. Who would have thought? Italy. Yeah, because uh, because there was a hurricane and the match became ah yes. no, oh, no. yeah I've forgotten yes you dropped me there yeah. <laughs> we forget about little things like that that yeah. if, if Italy had beaten New Zealand South Africa might not have made the playoffs <laughs> well, yeah that's a big if but uh, yeah you're right uh, but look I mean if we go back to the World Cup the beginning uh, when the draw was done mm. you know, a year before I don't know eighteen months before the World Cup. Uh, you know, the first game was South Africa, the All Blacks, and everyone had sort of put a circle around that game as the key one. But I think, in reality, despite what anyone in New Zealand and anyone in South Africa said, they both teams realised they'd win or lose that game, they were going to go through that pool. Right. I mean, with Italy and Namibia and uh, uh, Canada in the, in the pool, there was just no way that, uh, you know, if the South Africa and New Zealand weren't going to advance, regardless of the outcome of that game. I must before we before we go on. I must admit that I'm a late starter to chasing the sun. So I've only I've only started episode one now. So I don't know okay. all I don't know all the behind the scenes things. So you're gonna have to help me with this. Um, well, spoiler alert: on the Springboks the Spring- win the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, but we don't know why. So that's the question, Craig. How did the Springboks, who were beaten by New Zealand in the first game, had a terrible year before? Rusty Rasmus comes in. How did they win the World Cup? Well, it was quite simple. I mean, Rusty Erasmus basically did away with all frills. It was about going back to basics, powerful pack of forwards, good tactical kicking game, solid defense, and building up experience in the team as fast as he could. He only had 20 months, if you recall. So experience was, was yeah, you can only get experience through playing. So he, if you recall, if you go back to 2018, his first year in charge, he really chopped and changed the team um, to try and make sure certain players in certain positions had had a little bit of experience at least, and I guess the key was to get um, you know two good players in every position ultimately that were interchangeable as quickly as you could, and I think he succeeded in that. If you think about the bomb squad and you know the fact that six mm. forwards could come off the bench that were as good as the six that that, that went off, um, you know to keep that intensity and momentum late in the game, and, and he so. It was those little things, and he, and he just spoke about, you know, um, yes, we want to do a lot of things. Transformation was vitally important, and he addressed it honestly, which was the key. But, you know, everything else that was important, the main thing, and that was the, this was their saying, the main thing must always be the main thing. And it sounds ridiculously simple, but all it was is we have to win games, and then everything else comes together. And, you know, in 2018, he admitted that um, that they needed to go through some pain in the bigger picture. So the fact that, you know, 2018, they, they, they won 
only seven out of their 14 tests. So they lost 50% of their games in 2018. We forget that. But there was a plan. It was all about, as I said, building depth and position, mm-hmm. getting the game plan right, getting the defensive structure right, all these things, whittling out the players that didn't have the mentality they wanted for the team, whittling out the players that didn't have, um, you know, didn't put the team first and, and getting rid of the egos. Um, and, and that took him a year. Uh, and if, if you go back as well, there's seven losses. I think um, they don't say it in Chasing the Sun, but I've done a story on this a while ago, and I've got to check my, if I remember my facts correctly. I think they lost five of those games by five points or fewer. Right. So, I mean, they could just as easily have been five wins, you know, with a bit more luck. So he did all right in his first year. And then the second year, of course, they you know, won 10, drew one, lost one, uh, won a World Cup and won the Rugby Championship. So it was a pretty good second year in charge. Um, yeah, so... The, the one thing about Erasmus and the, the team he brought around him, it was about focus. It was about direction. It was about having a clear plan and sticking to it. And the other thing that I forgot to mention was fitness. Alan Walters, the head of uh, conditioning, or the head of um, uh, you know, the fitness coach who came in from Wales, well, from Ireland, but he's a Welshman, he, he was a real key component to this team. He says in Chasing the Sun and, you know, in interviews I've spoken to him, he said he always believed watching the Springboks that they would be unbeatable if they could just be fitter. Mm. He never felt South African players were properly fit. And, they, and, he, and I think what he means is not, you know, fit in the sense that they can't play a game of rugby. They're fit in the sense of playing a game of rugby at an intensity that you need mm. for, for this. And that's what they worked on, a specific game intensity. So the Springbok players actually shed some weight by the time they got to the World Cup. They weren't as heavy as they were two years before. So a big lock like Evan Etzbeth went down from about 120 kilos to about 114 kilos. So they, were, they, they had to be more mobile. They needed to get up on their feet and make more tackles. Mm. They needed to make a tackle, get up, get up, make another tackle, get up. So it was all about more in, intensity rather than power, although they had the power through collective, you know, collective units and scrums. Yeah. So it, it was all these little components. But there was real clarity on what they wanted to do. So every little department had its job to do. Alan Walters had to get them fit in the way that Rossi Erasmus wanted. Jacques Nienaba had to get the defense right in the way Rossi Erasmus wanted. Matt Proudfoot had to get the pack scrumming correctly. Sia Khaleesi and the other leaders, leaders in the team had to get the players all focused and in the right mindset and you know, have the right team culture, and so on and so on. And, you know, and, and it, it was a brilliant piece of work, and maybe it dispelled the myth, John, mm-hmm. that you need four years to build for a World Cup. Maybe with the right focus, the right energy, and the right uh, conditions, 20 months is enough. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Sia Khaleesi. Uh, everybody says that was the masterstroke. Why was that? Well, I think what it did, John, you know, for years we've had black players in the team and there's been transformation targets and quotas and all these things. But by making Sir Khaleesi captain, well, first of all, he's, he, he was captain of his franchise. He was certainly one of the candidates. Secondly, yeah. he was playing very good rugby. Uh, and so he was likely to, you know, secure his place in the team, which is always a vital component of the captain. He's got to be able to hold his place down as a player. And, and I think thirdly, um, Rassi Rasmus spoke about transformation openly and saying we need to show that you know we want to transform the game, we want to take it to a wider audience, we want people to feel part of it. And by making Sir Khaleesi captain, you immediately engaged a large section of South Africa in a different way to how they had been engaged with the Springboks before. A lot more people, I think, felt 
part of the Springboks for the first time, really part of it, by the fact, the simple fact that Sir Khaleesi was captain. And I don't think Rashi Rush was thwarted through in those terms necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think he looked at his candidates for captain. He looked at what he had at his disposal. Wayne Vermeulen was playing overseas at the time. He was one of the front runners for the captain. Andre Pollard's fitness was always a bit of an issue. And Sir Khaleesi was the most obvious and logical candidate. And, and he took a plunge. And the positive spin-off of that was it created this whole interest in the Springboks from communities that previously had not been deeply invested in the Springboks. Uh, you were talking about tactics earlier. I was lucky enough to watch Squidge Rugby, the Welsh analyst on YouTube, analysing how the Springboks beat England in that final. And the one thing he did talk about is just how much Rusty had been preparing for this Rugby World Cup final. It's Like you said, it might have been 20, 20 months, but there's stuff when Rusty was in charge of the Bulls that was executed in the final. It's uh, Like you say, it's, the, the plan was there for a long, long time. Well, look, Rusty Rasmus is an experienced coach and job, you know, and all these people. So they they've got playbooks as you know as thick as a telephone directory, <laughs> you know. So um, it, it's about going. All right, let's get the basics right. Let's get the defence right. Let's get the fitness right. Let's get the set pieces right. Okay, so you've got those in place, and that took a better part of a year. That's why they struggled through 2018 in terms of results. But you get those things in place. Now you've got the the foundation, and now it's about putting those layers on top of the foundation. And, you know, as Rassi said, you know, he says in the documentary, and he's, he's told us this in, in, in press conferences before, you know, the, the Springboks have still got a long way to go as an evolution. You know, the, all they did to the World Cup was, you know, dust off a few plays, you know, from his, his playbook. I'm sure there's a lot more to come out of it. And, you know, and particularly they've missed all the rugby this year because yeah. I think with, with Ninov as head coach, he's very closely aligned with Erasmus. We would have seen more and more little layers and little subtleties been added to the game um, over the next, you know, well, we will still see it over the next mm. three years, but we would have seen some of those coming out. So I think, uh, yeah, a bit like 2007, that Springbok team that won the World Cup, which was so good in 2007, um, you know, and I don't think they quite kicked on as well as they could have post the World Cup. Jake White was fired and, you know, there was a change of coach and a change of philosophy. It's not to say Peter de Villiers was a bad coach. It was just that he came in with a new philosophical approach to the game and mm. they eventually sort of reverted back to type by 2009. But it, it sort of disrupted the evolution of the team, whereas this year you had Minaba appointed from within and you would have just seen the seamless you know, transition from Erasmus to Ninaba, but the same philosophy, the same game plan, and just a continuation of what worked so well. So I think we would have seen an improved Springbok team this year, which would have been quite something, considering yeah. I think that World Cup final in particular, you know, 20 months under Rossi Erasmus, it, it, it really came together in that 80 minutes against England. It was a near-perfect game of rugby in the circumstances uh, and under the, you know, pressure that they were under in a World Cup final. And then if you look at the team now, like you say, you kind of wish they were playing because uh, one or two rugby analysts saying this is the uh, the most average New Zealand side they've seen in a while. Australia, I don't know if they're being flattered by the New Zealand side, but Australia have lifted their game as well. It would have been lovely to see the four nations battling it out in the rugby champs. Yeah, look, I wouldn't go so far to say it's an average New Zealand team. Well, so, yeah, yes. they, they won 43-5 last week in, <laughs> yeah. in Sydney. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you don't go do that if you're no good. No, it's a good New Zealand team. You know, they obviously are bringing through some new youngsters. They've, they've lost some key players in New Zealand, but they've still got a spine you know, of, of experience when you think Sam Whitelock, 
uh, Sam Kane, Aaron Smith, Bowden Barrett, mm. Anton Leonard Brown, and a few others. You know, um, they've got a, they've got they've got this core, and they've got a lot of talented players coming through. Yes, they're not quite the All Blacks of of say two years ago, um, but that's not to say they're far off. Uh, and 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 yeah, it would have been great. I think if the Springboks had played twelve weeks of provincial rugby and were able to get to New Zealand, but because they you know, they literally would have had to go there, get into quarantine, all those things, they would have yeah. literally played two two weeks of rugby. And yeah, if we're brutally honest, if you've watched some Super Rugby Unlocked, you can see that the players are struggling, you know, fitness-wise to play at a high intensity for eighty minutes. You can see that tactically they're a bit off the mark and. And if you take that to the, a much higher level, at test level, I think our players would have been wanting against New Zealand teams that have played for 14 and 15 weeks already in their Super Rugby competition while while the rest of the world was in lockdown. So I think it was a wise decision not to go to the Rugby Championships. Disappointing because you want to see the Springboks play. You wanted them to build on the momentum. But can you imagine, John, they had gone to New Zealand or, or to Australia to play in the Rugby Championships and... Yeah, got smashed by 60 points by New Zealand simply because they're not up to physical standard yeah. and cohesiveness. I mean, what does that do for the legacy of the World Cup winning team? You know, it, it destroys your, you know, from a purely marketing point of view, <laughs> yeah. it destroys your brand pretty badly. And from a psychological point of view, the players suddenly go from, you know, their last, their last match of the team of the World Cup final where they won it to losing 50 or 60 points to the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a devastating come down, which would have had a bigger impact going into next year where the British and Irish lines are coming and so on. So I think it was a wise decision. Commercially, the Springboks lost a bit of money, not as much as has been reported, but I think in the long term, it's going to be a much better call for South Africa. Okay, Craig Ray, what was your best memory of Rugby World Cup 2019? Oh, it has to be, I mean, obviously the final, but I think within the final, I, I think... Mapimpi's try was so significant. Yeah. Well, A, because it broke the game open and that pretty much won it. But B, it was you know, South Africa's first ever try in a World Cup final, in a third World Cup final. And you know, and it was because of how it was constructed by Mukanyo Am and Makazola Mapimpi, two players out of the Eastern Cape, you know, two black South African rugby players who've got great backstories, especially Mapimpi. He's got a real... You know, you think Sir Khaleesi's had a hard <laughs> life. Mapimpi's had a pretty tough... Uh, upbringing too, and you know, and, and and so for him to to do that, it was just it was just beautiful, and uh, to me that was you know the moment within the the moment. But that final was was an incredible, I think, performance. The pack was brilliant. Andre Pollard is probably the most unsung hero of the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, he he missed two kicks in the semi final and the final, um, and and the one kick he missed in the final was from 65 meters, which he was never going to get over. It was just to keep England pinned back. And the other one was the very first kick of the final, if you recall, it was right in front in, in, in the first 45 seconds of the game. And I think maybe nerves has got the better of him uh, you know, in the opening minute of the World Cup final. I don't think he expected the kick. Other than that, I think he landed 15 kicks uh, or, or 14 kicks out of 16 in the semifinal and the final. Now, they were vital. I mean, yeah. if you consider we won the semifinal 1916, mm. and it was his match-winning penalty from almost against the touchline. To, to win the semi-final. You know, Pollard actually, it's forgotten what a huge role he played in, in those two games. He kicked eight, you know, 22 points in the World Cup final uh, and eight kicks a goal. It, you know, it was a significant contribution. So, you know, there, there were all these little subplots, you know, within it. But, yeah, 
The long-winded answer to your question, the pimpy in the final. Craig Ray, thank you very much. We're out of time. It's been good turning to you, and let's hope uh, their form continues and we do something against those Lions. I hope so. Thanks, John. Nice to chat. Craig Ray, Daily Maverick sports editor, writer, and broadcaster joining us here on Sport Tracks.